Welcome to These Are Not The Songs You're Looking For. Episode six. 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 No. You gotta say it again. We have six, six, six now. I know, just say it again. Six. There you go, now we're okay. Okay, yeah, I forgot this is also a numerology podcast. Um, And your fortune for today is you will have great luck because this is the classic rock episode. Okay, so this is something that we have to talk about because... We started to talk about it, and then we're like, we'll save it for the podcast. Right. What the hell is classic rock? The rivers are full of crocodile nasties. I mean, I think it's a little early to transition to your oh. song. Um, maybe it was a metaphor. Aha. Or an allegory? I that don't... There's a lot of bad music out there? Hey, you know what? We'll, uh... No, no, crocodile nasties. I'm not making fun of the song. Oh. Well, anyway, hold on. Let's talk about what classic uh, yeah, rock is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what classic rock is. I okay. think it vaguely defines a period... Like, I think it starts as a period of time, right? It, like, it's not oldies. Right? No. Oldies has its own... Like which is, Beach Boys, early Beatles. Yeah, pro- well, early Beatles. Yeah. Early Beatles. Like, um, like bowl haircut Beatles. You know, and even, and even uh, Beach Boys is not always... I'm not sure, you know? Because yeah. like, there is some pretty folky punk rock out there and stuff like Sloop John B is also kind of fits that mold. Yeah. Maybe not enough electric guitars though. Like I think they would have classified themselves as like surf music. People who are recording during that classic rock period uh, wouldn't have referred to themselves as classic rock because they didn't know they were classic yet. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah, it's hard to define. I feel like a guitar is necessary. Like, there's there's a sound of guitar that I feel like is... At least in the band. Yes. Not in every song, though. Not in every song. Okay. I agree. But a band gets classified as classic rock. A, a band... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or that band has some classic rock songs. What yeah. really weirds me out is when stuff transitions from being classic rock pretty unequivocally into, like, 80s music. Which is different. And which has a different feel to me. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Peter Gabriel is probably both. Genesis probably has stuff that fits kind of both, I don't know, sides of that genre. Well, and then you have, you know, people like, I'm going to do a Billy Joel song today. And not everything Billy Joel does is classic rock. Yeah. This song definitely has some guitars and it's the right time period. Yeah. Does that make it classic rock? You know, I hope I, so. I think, okay, for songs that are iconic classic rock to me, um, we talk a lot about storytelling here on this podcast, and I feel like that's also an element of it. Think about songs like Sympathy for the Devil, you know, um, or even uh, uh, Aerosmith song that Run DMC did with them. Walk This Way. Yeah, Walk This Way. Doesn't have, like, a narrative to it, but it's got so much imagery to it yeah. that it feels like there's a story going yeah, on. Shark-dressed man. Again, yeah, like, not not a real tale, you know, but uh, a lot of storytelling elements are thrown in there. You yeah. Know? Uh, so there are bands that we know for sure are classic rock. I think and we, we didn't do either of them. True. Like, we just mentioned a few of... Yes. Yeah. ACDC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like, those bands are classic rock. Okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. No. Right? 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not not gonna be classic rock, but they've got the guitar, badass guitar. Yeah. They've got, uh, you know, songs like uh, Sir Psycho Sexy or Under the Bridge. Great storytelling elements to them. Yeah. Dynamic sound, but they're not classic rock. Is that just like a test of time thing? 
Yeah, because, I mean, okay, so we live in Vegas, and there are, like, two big stations for classic rock. There's mm-hmm. 96.3 and 97.1, mm-hmm. and we have both lived through them changing. Yeah, and now you will hear Red Hot Chili Peppers on both those yeah. stations. So they're, you know, and maybe they don't call themselves, I think 96.3 still says classic rock. 97.1 says hits from the 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, and today. Yeah. Which they just skipped like two decades, but that's okay. <laughs> well, the 90s were rough for all of us, um, musically. Uh, yeah, so I think I think you run into, you know, I, I come from, uh, you know, literature. Land Down Under. I come from Land Down Under, 80s music. Yeah. Oh, um, I come from a literature background, and you get the same kind of resistance when you start talking about what is classic literature. Sure. What makes literature classic. And I think that test of time idea is really the only constant. Yeah. You know, you, you don't really talk about all the themes that you find in all of classical literature because it's too diverse. Yeah. You don't talk about storytelling styles because, again, too diverse, too many different things. There's just this note of excellence to uh, classic literature that means there's something to dig into and find and a reason to look at it. And so I think that classic rock might be the same. I'm not sure that there are any classic rock bands for me, right? There are classic rock songs, and Led Zeppelin has a ton of them. Sure. Almost everything Led Zeppelin produced, at least in the first four albums, is all mind-blowing to me, and I'm a pretty hardcore fan, so really there's not a stinker on any of the studio albums that I can think of. And I wouldn't even say that everything that they have is a classic. It's sure. all enjoyable to me, but it's not all Achilles' last stand. You sure. Know? Yeah, or Stairway to Heaven. Okay, so we have our ground rules. Now, again, it, it really, we're just dividing this up, you know, for the, the viewers episode title. Yes. Yeah. But really, it doesn't really matter what genre it actually fits into. No. For the most part. Because we're talking about the inherent... Uh, uh, arts in the music or in the, in the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, or or the, even sometimes the overall production. Because I wanna I wanna get into a little bit about album art and stuff today. Even great. Um, and 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 some stuff that's like kind of surrounding the lyrics. But yeah, I that's you know uh, at at the at the risk of making another Mike and Tom joke. I feel like our platform is excellence. Like that really is the sure. thing that we're talking about. Yeah, you know. What we do is read songs in kind of a weird, you know, iconoclastic way. But what we're looking for here is something inside the song that makes it worth talking to each other about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I feel like that's a good place to go into your song for the week. Uh, Do you want to introduce it a little bit? Uh, Yeah. So um, let me me set up the mood for you, right? So you are in, uh, you know, some used uh, CD store because you still have something that will play CDs, I'm sure. Uh, and you're flicking through, uh, you know, the classic rock section, and all of a sudden you get just this like black background. So this guy is reaching up out of the album, and he's grabbing a hold of you, and he's pulling you inside to this dark void, right? Where all of a sudden he is just going to, with the sound of you know melodious jazz flute, create this lush green environment around you and tell you about all the shit that you're about to see. The, the non-lyrical stuff that I like about this song are the growling tigers and the crickets that are in the background as part of the song because yep. they, they're characters in the song yep. almost. But without... Okay, so now that we've got a set up, let's talk a little bit about Bungle in the Jungle. 
by Jethro Tull. Walking through the forests of palm tree apartments, scoff at the monkeys who live in their dark tents, down by the water hole, drunk every Friday, eating their nuts, saving their raisins for Sunday. Lions and tigers who wait in the shadows. They're fast, but they're lazy and sleep in green meadows. Let's bungle in the jungle. Well, that's all right by me. I'm a tiger when I want love, but I'm a snake if we disagree. Just say a word and the boys will be right there with claws at your back to send a chill through the night air. Is it so frightening to have me at your shoulder? Thunder and lightning couldn't be bolder. I'll write on your tombstone, I thank you for dinner. This game that we animals play, it's a winner. Let's bungle in the jungle. Well, that's all right by me. I'm a tiger when I want love, but I'm a snake if we disagree. The rivers are full of crocodile nasties, and he who makes kittens puts snakes in the grass. He's a lover of life, but a player of pawns. Yes, the king of his sunset lies waiting for dawn to light up his jungle as a play is resumed. The monkeys seem willing to strike up the tune. Let's bungle in the jungle. Well, that's all right by me. I'm a tiger when I want love but I'm a snake when we disagree. None of that. It was really good. It was That's... fun. It's, it's easy. It's like reading Shakespeare. If you, if you get what is coming through from the author, it just happens. You know? You just like... It's easy to be good because it's the quality of writing. It's not you. You know? It's not what, what you're bringing to it. Well, you can also feel the cadence. You know? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I will say, this is like, uh, of the songs that we've gone over, this is one of the ones I've heard most in my life, because, as I've said several times, when I was a kid, I was only listening to classic rock type stuff. And as a kid with a, you know, an imagination that was bigger than anything else in his life at the time, songs like this were the ones that really gripped me. That's why I love Jethro Tull, I love uh, uh, Led Zeppelin. Uh, I love Pink Floyd is because the lyrics just paint these vivid pictures. Um, is there a story on this one? So, okay. So I actually get two different stories when I listen to the song uh -huh. and when I listen to you read the song. Okay. The, 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 the picture I get uh, because of the way they do it, the da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
uh, Tarzan, that they're like messing around and joking around and not taking things the way they're supposed to. Sure, well, but but I'm flipping back to like the human side of things. Yeah, me right? too. Okay, okay. Like, and there's just people yeah, that are so just, the term monkey is being just somebody who's not, uh, you know, yeah, who's, who's not taking who's, life seriously. Yeah, who's monkeying around. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And then you and then you get into this next you know verse right about people who are drunk at the water hole. Well, that's obviously your dive your bar, bar situation. Yeah. They're eating their nuts. They're saving their raisins for Sunday. They're just kind of getting by through during the week so they can save their like you know, small and shriveled pieces of happiness for, like, Friday through Sunday. Um, yeah, there is an allegory here. Which one's more interesting? Which one is better in your imagination? Okay, so I always grew up and I didn't have the lyrics right. I did not picture I'm a tiger when I want love. I pictured I, a tiger when I wanna. Like, when I like when I want to be, I'm a tiger. I, you're Which, not that far off, I'm not with your mistake. Yeah, you know. And so I actually like that because I pictured someone literally turning it, like, where tiger person. Yeah. Um, so that one's obviously more interesting in my brain. I, it's more interesting to me, too, and I, I don't remember ever having the lyrics wrong. I'm pretty bad with lyrics because I'm always sure that I'm right, so if I mishear something, I'm like, no, that's the way it is. Um, but... Even not having a memory of having these lyrics wrong, I remember being fascinated, right? The term crocodile nasties is just vivid in my head. I, I, I know they're crocodiles, but crocodile nasties are like the aggressive ones. They like walk up on their toes and run 30 miles an hour for short distances and drag you down and do the death roll thing. Uh, yeah, it's, there's just a very vivid scene going on. And there's lions and tigers in the, the, the darkness that are... They're, they're fat and happy, but they're still lions they're and tigers. But they're prowling, yeah. right? And you hear the growls if you're listening to the song. Are they like drug dealers or something? Or just like shady people? Predators, you know? People, yeah. people can be predators. Okay, but back to my original question. Is there a story here? Well, he's talking to someone, right? Because he says that... I'm a tiger when I want love. I'm a snake when we disagree. Yes. Leads me to believe that he's talking to his girl. Yes. And he says, is it so scary that I'm at your shoulder? Is it so frightening to have me at your shoulder? What's the answer to that question? It's yes and no. Go, go listen to this song. Listen to that verse. And think if you want that voice to be the one that's whispering in your ear right behind you. You know? It's, it's, there's just a lot going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, so how does... So we've talked about the tone, and we've talked about um, somebody's voice. Yeah. How do... what We counted eight, nine instruments. Yeah. There is a string quartet, there's a flute, there are drums, bass, guitars. How does all of that impact the story as well? Well, I, I'm still not sure if there is a story at all, right? To me, this is more one of those, like, moving Harry Potter pictures, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's about 20 seconds worth of motion here, and the value comes when you start realizing how much is in that picture, in that small frame, you know? Uh, but as far as, like, what does the instrumentation add to this uh, pretty amazing song to me, uh, richness, depth, right? There's so many things going on musically. I think it encourages you to start asking what else is going on lyrically. It, it's kind of like how, uh, you know, uh, uh, you go through a meditative maze to try to figure out a problem. You start walking through that maze on the floor and it encourages your brain to start picking out solutions. Same as reading tarot or being a fortune teller. Like, unless you believe there's magic involved and then you go ahead and rock that. But, 
you know, you're just you're just trying to fuel somebody's intuition. I think all of that depth of sound, along with the crickets, along with the tiger growls, are ask are telling you, are encouraging you to ask what else is out there. And I think that's why you're seeing the glittering eyes in the darkness all around the trees is because you know that there's something else in there. Sure. And that's where the story is too. The story is in what's not in the lyrics. Sure. Here. What's what's just outside the firelight mm-hmm. uh, in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. It's more we than just fun. fun. It's not fun and games. Not in this one. This is this is a uh, uh, okay. So now let's talk about William Blake, right? Okay. I'm a tiger when I want love, right? That the you know William Blake's most famous poem is Tiger, 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 burning bright in the forest of the night, right? So I, I feel like in and and I feel like Ian Anderson was well read enough to know about romantic era poetry. You know, remember, he didn't have Netflix. He wasn't just sitting around doing, you know, whatever all the time. This guy was, like, studying poetry and classical things. Eh, if you learn to play a flute like that, you probably have a little bit of a higher education. I just feel like it's a classy instrument. It is a classy instrument, but he actually learned from the nature god Pan. Whoa. Yeah. It's a uh, different flute altogether. Yeah, but it transfers. It's the spirit of, the w- of wind instruments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... You know, I, I think that uh, he's calling up that imagery of a tiger in the night, in the forest, right? Uh, but one of the lines specifically, he who made kittens put snakes, snakes in, in the, the grass. grass, right? Tiger, tiger, burning bright. The, 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 the fulcrum line, the pivotal line is, did he who make the lamb make thee, right? It's this poem about the tiger. It's also supposed to be a poem about the devil. And the question is, did the guy who made... You know, sweet little lambs and kittens and parakeets also make the devil? And the answer is yes. And that's also more of that, well, then what the fuck else is out there? Apologize for language. That's explicit. We just got demonetized. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it encourages you to, like, be on the lookout, to be looking out there. You know, uh, there's, there's always two sides to everything, right? Like, he, it's, and specifically, he made kittens, you yeah. know, like... The only thing that could be worse is he made puppies, right? You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's trying to go as far down the cute aspect versus a snake, which nobody thinks snakes are cute. Well, not even a snake, a snake in the grass, yeah. which, which is that term snake in the grass. Is, yeah. 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 You're walking, you don't expect anything. Then you have poison in your veins. Yeah. yeah. And it rises up and bites you on the heel. And then the tribe of Dan says, I think that's Bible reference. Yeah. 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 And you want to talk about, uh, album art. I mean, okay, so there's there's actually uh, the album art for like this album is a kind of cool jungle scene. It looks just very like you know painted, but it's either the single version or some kind of remastered version that just has. I'm pretty sure it's Ian Anderson reaching up out of the darkness, just almost three dimensional, but it's not. But uh, he's just this l- luminous, glowing figure that looks like you know a specter of some kind, a spirit of some kind. So, you know, again, I, I, he's reaching up at you, and I feel like he wants you to get pulled in. He's saying... To the jungle. Well, to, to whatever songs are going on here with their crazy lyrics and jazz flute. The, you know, but it's, it's kind of a, a forced invitation. Like, yeah. get immersed is what he's saying. And to me, that's how you best enjoy Jethro Tull, is by not trying to, you know, figure out why there's a jazz flute in your classic rock band... But just letting it all happen and accepting everything and then looking around and being like, where am I? What is this? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like album art is is a more or less lost art. Oh, yeah. Because well, not okay, lost, but, but lost. 
But you used to be talking about something that is 20 by 20. Yeah. And now it fits on your phone. Yeah. You know, it's a digital thing. Or it's thing. a thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just the quality in which someone can enjoy it is not the same. The, the quality and the importance placed on it. Yes. You know, you, you get... You 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 wear band shirts of Pink Floyd, or you wear you know shirts that have Pink Floyd album covers on them. The, that Led Zeppelin Dark Angel, you know, that is uh, Icarus. Um, oh, by the way, uh, but, but yeah, everyone, uh, everyone but knows know, that. Yeah, yeah, dude, uh, my yeah, the girl I dated for ten years has a tattoo of like that moment on her side. Like that's yeah, uh, uh, it's iconic. I, I honestly don't remember what album. That was on the cover of, but still, we we can still picture it. Yeah, the uh, the lips for kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hot or, no, the hot lips, Rolling Stones, You're Rolling Stones. The, yeah, 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 yeah. With the yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that picture. Yeah, even if they don't know why they know it. Yeah, you see it on bumper stickers, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What is that all about?" But the uh, I, I, it's not a lost art, you know, because you you go on DeviantArt, type in album art, and you've got people who are making it. I just don't think that the importance uh, is placed there by the artist. You know, I don't think that the artist really puts... I'm, I'm sure some artists do. Like, I'm sure it's a huge deal and it's a big decision moment and some of it's really, really cool. But I feel like the overall trend is to just be like, yeah, get the music out there. I love, I love Little Dicky. Yeah, I do. Um, he's a, you know, obviously a super creative guy because mm-hmm. he writes music and he writes uh, a show. Little but, Dicky, if you'd like us to do a Little Dicky episode... Uh, you know, just reach out to us literally in any way possible, yeah. and we will make that happen. Yeah, we can even say brought to you by Little Dicky. It's true. Yeah, you don't even have to give us anything. Nope. Um, but his first album is literally just papers sitting on a table. Mm-hmm. It's the least creative thing I've ever seen him do. The least creative thing you've ever seen him do, but still weirdly evocative, right? Like sure. that's that's his process. Yeah, you know. And, yeah. And the whole thing about Lil Dicky is showing you, like, kind of what's behind the scenes of a rapper. Hey, I'm a rapper, but I'm also a real person. Look at all this. And the album art kind of reflects that, too. Like, yeah. he's a rapper, but he's a hardworking dude who's, like, sitting at a table writing stuff out, dual screens, whatever. You know, so even if that one's not, like, beautiful, I still think there's more effort put into that specific example than many others. Some others. Yeah. Okay, so... I feel like this, if, if there's anything else you have to say about Jethro, I mean, anything else you have to say on this podcast about Jethro Tull? No, I, I'm good with Jethro Tull. Jazz flute's a, you know, a, a viable instrument when it's used with enough excellence. Uh, I think that's all I got. And I didn't even have to get into the fact that I thought Jethro Tull was a person, not a band. It's okay. Uh, but the album art thing actually really fits with mine because I, I picked The Stranger um, by Billy Joel. And it is the title album or title song of an album. Um, Can we say titular song? It is the titular song. Do we have to now mark this explicit? You already said the Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, and in that one, it's Billy Joel. I'm going to paint this picture for you because it fits in. And this kind of gives you the idea of the song. Uh, It's Billy Joel sitting... Like, fully dressed on a bed. The whole thing's in black and white. On and the side, like, sitting up on the side of the bed. Like, he's yeah. gonna tuck someone in. Yeah, looking kind of down at this person. Uh, but the person is really just a, like, porcelain mask uh, on a pillow. Why are porcelain masks so much creepier than almost any other mask? 
I don't know. Porcelain dolls are super creepy right? too. Okay, as long as I'm not the only one who like feels the weirdness. There. I think it's the porcelain like comes out so smooth yeah. and and dead white. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. So that all plays in, and so I was glad that you you wanted to talk about album art because it it, it, it definitely fits into mine. Uh, and so with all of that imagery in mind, uh, here is uh, the Stranger by Billy Joel. Well, we all have a face that we hide away forever. And we take them out and show ourselves when everyone else is gone. Some are satin, some are steel, some are silk, and some are leather. They're faces of a stranger, but we love to try them on. Well, we all fall in love, but we disregard the danger. Though we share so many secrets, there's some we never tell. Why were you so surprised that you never saw the stranger? Did you ever let your lover see the stranger in yourself? Don't be afraid to try again. Everyone goes south every now and then. You've done it. Why can't someone else? You should know by now. You've been there yourself. Once I used to believe I was such a great romancer. Then I came home to a woman that I could not recognize. When I pressed her for a reason, she refused to even answer. It was then that I felt the stranger kick me right between the eyes. Don't be afraid to try again. Everyone goes south every now and then. You've done it. Why can't someone else? You should know by now. You've been there, yourself. You may never understand how the stranger is inspired, but he isn't always evil, and he is not always wrong. Though you drown in good intentions, you will never quench the fire. You will give in to your desire when the stranger comes along. All right. Yeah. Did... We did not discuss, really, who we were going to, like, what songs we were doing as much this week. No. We, we had picked our own songs... Did you notice that we both pick song like songs from bands that have like an iconic instrument? Oh no, I didn't think about that. Because you're right, yeah. Billy Joel's piano is yeah, every bit. As, yeah, he is yeah. the piano man. He is the piano man. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the flute. No, I mean, nobody else has a flute. You know, yeah. Like, jazz flute is not your not your go to uh, for classic rock songs. What what I'm drawn to most, Billy Joel, great piano. I maybe I've grown immune to it over the years. Our family was a big Billy Joel family. It's good music that, you know, one of the rare bands that everybody could listen to in the car without getting upset, you know? Yeah. So we listened to a lot of Billy Joel. So I might be just a little anesthetized to Billy Joel piano. What I'm really drawn to in this song is the whistle. Sure. It's just, it's kind of ominous, but it's kind of beautiful. And it's, it just, again, it kind of just leads you down this, like, come closer to this song. Like, yeah. it draws you in. Yeah. I think <sighs> there is a story here. But I think the bigger thing is not the story, but the fact that Billy Joel is tapping into a fundamental piece of being a human. Which is, everybody has something that is their, the, the, the stranger. The thing that they, it's just for them. You know, and people are different anywhere they go. You know, I was uh, a different, and I, I started to see this when I was like 11 or 12. I acted differently when I hung out with my friends that played basketball than I did when I hung out with you, than I did when I was around mom and dad. And and those three people, none of them are maybe quite me. They're most of me, mm -hmm. but then there's me when it's just me, you know? Uh, and then you, you get a little bit older, and you add a relationship to that, and there's someone that you share maybe everything with, and hopefully you can share everything with, but maybe you don't, you know? Um, yeah, I no, I agree completely. What if I told you that he's tapping into, like the oldest tradition one of the oldest traditions in storytelling 
by doing this, like or even referencing. What's the what's the oldest? So I think that the idea of the stranger and the masks that he's talking about, some are silk, some are leather, I think he's referencing or alluding to comedy and tragedy. I think he's talking about Greek catharsis, right? Like Greek you know, tragedy and, and comedy plays. The Greeks uh, believed that it was healthy to have you know, emotional experiences. Sometimes you need a good cry. Sometimes you need to be righteously furious at somebody. But it's not good to have those experiences. You don't want to wake up one day and realize, oh my gosh, I have two kids with my mom and I murdered my dad, you know? So instead, we read or we, you know, watch Oedipus, we watch someone play Oedipus, and we're able to have these, like, way overblown emotional experiences, and that's very healthy for us. I think Billy Joel is giving us this, like, box of masks and saying, hey, you wear these sometimes, and it's healthy. Like, I get a, I get a degree of acceptance from this song. But there's that, but then there's also, you know, you can't, it, when it says, uh, uh, did you ever let the your lover see the stranger in yourself? Like, you can't be upset with anyone for not showing them, like, their true self to you if you're not doing the same. Like, you can't expect more people than you are giving. Oh, yeah. That's why I never take, like, all the masks off. Sure, uh, you know that's that there. Nobody knows the real me for that reason uh, specifically. Um, I, I I found one of the the way that you read a line uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if you did it on purpose or not, but you said I used to believe, comma I was such a great romancer, right? Like I used to believe as one unit. I, mm. I was a believer. Next idea, I was such a great romancer. These are the things about my past. Whereas I've always heard it. I used to believe I was such a great romancer. Hmm. Like, he thought this about himself. He's not even aware of, like, which one The Mask is and which one Billy Joel is yeah. sometimes. And I, I, I find that about myself sometimes, too. I have to ask, like, am I really believing this or am I just arguing to argue at this point? Yeah. You know? yeah. Which I do sometimes. Sure. Because it's fun to do that and, you know, like... But yeah, what do you believe? You have to ask yourself that. But I think most people don't ever stop to do that. Yeah. You know, they just take it in and let it happen. You know? Well, yeah, that's why philosophers are special people. Sure. You know? Sure. I, but I, 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 and again, so like going back to album art, like he's, he's looking down at this person lying in the bed. And I don't know if he is looking at the girl or if he's looking at himself. You know what I mean? Is that his mask or is that his, like, the, his lover's mask? What are you inclined to believe? I think it's his mask. I think I he think was so looking too. down at himself. I think so, too. And I think it's, other than just, like, how difficult would it be to get this photograph, uh, I feel like it's significant that he's the one sitting properly on the bed looking down at the mask when in your bed before sleepy time is probably when you, ha when you don't have the mask on. Sure. Whether you're with somebody or not, sure. that's the closest you get to being, like, relaxed all the walls down you yeah but billy joel is sitting there on the bed looking down at that guy the mask instead of you know uh uh him being the one who's laying down and comfy well and you know talking about being such a great romancer maybe that all has to do with it maybe yeah you know he's he's built up these this character has built up these walls probably billy joel if we're being honest like billy joel when he writes songs they're about him a lot a lot of times like I, the piano man we feel. is him yeah, but like he that, that one's a fact. That. Yeah. yeah, that one's a fact. You know, he wrote uh, "We Didn't Start the Fire" because he's just a huge history nerd and needed mm -hmm. to get it out of his system. Like, yeah. 
So uh, Uptown Girl. Uh, wasn't that about him dating actress? I chick? think so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, obviously there's model, a, model, a, not an actress. Doesn't something like that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But like, he maybe built up all these walls around his bedroom because that was sure. You know, he was the. He's the entertainer, and he's out front, and that's a mask, mm-hmm. you know. And then maybe you drop the mask when you're with this girl, but then that's you really did never drop the mask. You dropped a mask. You dropped a mask and put on a different one. Do you think that that is a celebrity problem? Yeah, it's an everybody problem, right? Like sure. I, we just said, everybody has masks that they have to wear at work versus school versus home, um, or with one friend group and another friend group. So this is something that's a human experience. You're absolutely right. But do you think that celebrities feel it more sharply than everybody else? Probably, and that's why there are like you know the the rate of suicide among uh, young successful actors and actresses is much higher yeah. than the like normal or needing to be on some sort of medication. I you know you could go one way and say that they have more money and so they're getting the help that they quote unquote need. But also, yeah, they you know, um, there's there's one famous one that she was a Disney actress. Uh, and she got super famous and then got addicted to cocaine to try to keep up with the, the just the doing everything. Yeah. You know, and everyone loved this girl and she just keeps having problems. But, you know, when you when you get famous and you're 12, like, you don't know what to do. Yeah, I, I guess child actors uh, don't really have a high uh, post-fame success rate, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah, I feel like, you know, someone like Will Smith who got famous at 18... And now is 50-something and still famous. I feel like that's a success story, but how many more are there like that? Mm-hmm. You know? like Ron Howard. What was Ron Howard doing? Ron Howard was Opie on uh, uh, Mayberry. Uh, uh, show with the cop and the kid. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dick Van... A- Andy Griffith. No, Andy Griffith. Andy, he was uh, Opie on Andy Griffith's show, and he... He is the guy who directed... He's the narrator on Arrested Development. He directed Willow, the greatest movie of all time. Don't say it. I'm not saying anything. Ron Howard, if you're out there, (laughs) I got a lot I got to talk to you about recently. So if you could just just have your people call whomever and we'll we'll set something. Would you rather talk to Ron Howard or like the main actor of Willow? Warwick Davis, I actually need to talk to both of them about a creative project I'm working on right now. But I think Ron Howard, I I think I have more to say to Ron Howard because while Warwick Davis, great actor and influenced me in that way, Ron Howard was telling stories that I was like, this is amazing. Sure. Blow my mind. Sure. So, going to, are there any tropes lyrically or storytelling wise? Or anything like that to classic rock that we hit today. Um, I, I, I said I want to talk a little bit about production value, okay? And I think I think that's part of it, right? I don't know if classic rock songs become classic because there's just an innate excellence to them, or part of it is also just how much work you put in. Um, you know, uh, uh, classic rock songs, classic rock stations are full of, you know, the Beatles, who were pioneers of, like, you know, uh, studio techniques. Steely Dan, one of the great studio bands of all time. Not as great live, completely amazing in the studio, because not just them, dudes playing instruments, but the people behind the instruments, the people producing the albums, were 
over the top good, you well, know, and put it put enough time into it to make it something truly special. Some of the stories that come out of that era of music are insane. Uh, what what's the song where the guy went and recorded all the different clocks? Are you talking about uh, uh, Pink Floyd's uh, what is it Money? Something like that. But anyway, just like weird stuff like that where people would come in the back with all this stuff so they could, you know, unload this very strange... Because the artist had a very specific sound he needed to get, but nobody had a computer yet. Yeah. Computers weren't a thing. Yeah. Paul Simon, you know, doing all kinds of crazy experimental stuff, not just with Ladysmith, Black Mombazo, but like, you know, South American woodwind instruments that nobody had ever really even heard of that he's pulling into studio sessions to do stuff with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think artists were not afraid to take chances. I feel like maybe they were probably encouraged to take chances because you, you couldn't go viral, you know, so you just had to be distinct from radio play. Somebody had to hear that song and go, I'm going to remember that. So being distinct, maybe, maybe that's how Jethro Tull even became big was who else has that jazz flute, Yeah, you know, going on. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I think the time and care put into the back end is just as important as the storytelling, the excellent guitar, all that stuff, which same with hip hop, you know, hip hop has the talented dudes singing, you know, it, on mics. Yeah. But sometimes the real stars are the producers. But the thing is, is the producers get a lot more. People know the producers by name. I know, I know Dr. Dre. I know the RZA. Yeah. You know, you don't, I don't know who, who produced produce. Queen, who produced Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know. Yeah. There's so much to that. Mm -hmm. It's the first uh, music, uh, video. music video. Yeah. Who 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 produced that? Nobody yeah. knows. I mean, somebody knows. Yeah, there's, you know, 10,000 Queen fans yeah. uh, who listen to us regularly. I watched our... the movie. I read their autobiography. I got a little bit obsessed. I still know a lot more about Freddie Mercury and AIDS than I do about the producer. About the production value, yeah. yeah. But but it is there, right? Yes. Like, from, from early stuff that the Rolling Stones were doing to, like, you know, stuff that comes in toward the end. I think I already mentioned Peter Gabriel, but he's, you know, high concept, uh, trying, to, trying to make big sounds. Where did you know. they get the tiger sound? There was not a computer that had it saved. Someone well, had to go to a zoo or something and record a I, tiger sound. I mean, you could still, you still had like stock stuff. You know, the equivalent of stock footage you had in sound form. So you could get Okay, your hands but on what it. music company had the stock footage of a tiger I, roaring? I'm, I'm sure you could get that from somewhere. I'm sure there's a place that does sound effect type stuff. And you, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe. Ian Anderson was out creeping through the jungle, slinking across trees uh, with a tape recorder and recording tigers. I don't know. But either way, there's a lot of work put into it that's not just playing an instrument yeah. well and singing well and writing a song. Or downloading a song from your computer. Or, down or downloading a sound from your computer. I, I add so sounds to this stuff, and it's literally just going sliding. Yeah, so even if it is my way, right, and they had to go somewhere and buy a sound... There was more effort than just, yeah, going onto a stock website and downloading some stuff. How many tiger sounds, knowing how crazy yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Jethro Tull are about the sound quality, how many sample tiger sounds are there? And you're right. Where do they get all the tiger sounds that you can choose from? So it's got to be at a zoo somewhere just going, yep, that's one. <laughs> that was a good one. I, I think I choose to believe they employ somebody like Rodney Skaggs, the famous rapper who's mm -hmm. also a zoo philanthropist, yeah. uh, and uh, he encourages them. Hey, can I look look fierce? Look fierce, and then he just records. You know, yeah. But would Rodney sell those sounds? Yeah, 
He's a he's a rat mogul. That's true. He does have uh, Skag's rags. Skag's rags. Yeah. Rodney, if you're listening, that's super weird. Um. So. <laughs> what? What else do we have to say about classic rock? Do you have any tropes that you want to throw out there that you you think uh, fit? No, I I. I think when I was younger, I would have said that I'm really into classic rock. But if I think I'm being really honest with it myself, I'm not. Because all of the things that I thought were classic rock when I was younger because it was on the classic rock station. I think I like more folk stuff from the 60s, 70s. You know, I I like singer-songwriters from the 60s and 70s a whole lot. Uh, But I'm not a huge ACDC, Back in Black. Like, I'm I'm not a huge fan of all of that stuff. But I would I would much rather listen to Billy Joel and Paul Simon than ACDC or um, like Black Sabbath or anything anybody like that. Well, okay, okay, Black Sabbath in general, I probably agree with you. But is War Pigs not like one of the songs that that hits all those? It is, for, okay. it is. But I've never listened to. I have listened to uh, uh, Another Brick in the Wall. The album. But I don't listen to the Another Brick in the Wall as often as I listen to the Stranger okay. album. Okay. You know? Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. You know? No, I like I like that song a whole lot. I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I do... I, I would say I like classic rock just as a genre because there's enough songs that get labeled classic rock that I'm that I'm enthusiastic about. But, but the ones that I like are very much the same stuff that we go over on this podcast every week. High imagery, yeah. high concept, some storytelling to it. Like, the, the musical aspect, the era, doesn't matter to me as much as the ability to, to unzip my imagination. And let it, let it go do its and thing. And let it do its thing. Yeah. Also, I don't know why I unzipped upward. I put my hand down here, and then up. Yeah. Oh, that's how you... That's how you would do zip it. up your fly. That's how you zip up. Unzip would be down. Yes. Huh. Sorry. Guys. Yes. Yeah. Ratings! 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 <laughs> Stormtroopers mauled on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Let's talk about Bungle in the Jungle. Um, man, I am hesitant to give anything a five out of five because I don't believe that many things are perfect. You know, like sure. th- that would be the platonic form of a song. So it'd have to be written by Shane McGowan in order to get a five out of five. But I really love this song. I would fight somebody over this song if somebody on the street no like this song sucks bro for no other reason right we're at mcdonald's right i'm getting my mcnuggets this guy is maybe getting he's going to the mccafe he's getting a a mcdonald's frappuccino thing and he just turns to me and he says bungle in the jungle is a shitty song i'm gonna take my nuggets i'm gonna throw the hot greasy nuggets in his face i'm gonna give bam bam body blows whoa so not only you're fighting you're you're giving up the nuggets i'm not giving them up i'm gonna get another nuggets Ah. yeah but no it's worth it and then i'm gonna turn his face toward the drinks machine and i'm gonna put his mouth on the drinks machine and i'm just gonna bam orange soda into his face not diet root beer not diet root beer no i feel like diet root beer would be worse you know you know what it is it's the blue gatorade the off-brand gatorade Uh, all right yeah powerade i'm just gonna push that i love this song so that being said nine out of ten okay my one my one thing with this song is it gets stuck in your head and for the rest of the day you talk in that cadence you talk in that cadence and read all these fucking songs. Yeah, like that. Um, 
And so that's the only detractor. Because like, listen to I listened to it last night when you said that you were going to pick this song or another one, but I knew you were actually going to pick this song. Fair enough. <laughs> and so I listened to this song, and then I was just walking around going, my dog's name is O.B., you know? So four out of five. Feel good. Um, moving over to The Stranger, uh, Billy Joel, one of, you know, like I said, important... Billy Joel important to me in a, like a family type way yeah. because you know there's actual bonding that goes on around Billy Joel. Um, when you find out that there's music that you can connect with your dad over, that's a big deal in a kid's life. Um, but not, I don't even know if this is in my top five Billy Joel songs. I'm, I'm with top you. Ten. I'm with you. So like Billy Joel, if a number, if if five out of five is like uh, we didn't start the fire. Uh, or um, the Ballad of Billy the Kid. Ballad of Billy the Kid's definitely up in that top five for me. Um, the Entertainer is up there in that top. Captain Jack uh, oh, is in the one. top five. Um, scenes from an Italian Restaurant and Anthony's Song. I'm going to say are probably... I don't know what order they're in, but I'm going to say those are probably my top five. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, we Didn't Start the Fire isn't in there? I love We Didn't Start the Fire. It's very fun for me to sing. Um, and I like that I know everything it's talking about because who hasn't done that like history project where you have to pick a line from that song? But no, if we're talking top five, I can't hear anything that's not on this list ever again. I think those are the songs that are going to hit it. Um, four out of five, uh, because I love Billy Joel, love this song. Not going to be my top on the Billy Joel one, so four out of five. This is a, on the Billy Joel scale, this is a 3.5 out of five. This is not, this mm. is not a, I, well, that's your Billy Joel scale. What about on your classic rock scale? On my classic rock scale, it's a 4.2. 4.2? That's solid. 2. Yeah. I think I need to expand this. It needs to be one out of a hundred. Oh, huh. I wonder why some people aren't satisfied with the out of five scale. All of my fans out there, hashtag Tony's sliding scales are awesome uh, so that we know we can take a poll. See you next week. See you next week.